Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Algramson. Thank you for joining us today. Now, today we're going to do this a little bit different. I've gone through the Zoom app on my computer because I want you to see a little bit of what I've got written down. And uh, it, it's this subject is really enjoyable to me. Like I said, we're doing a walk through the New Testament with Jesus, and we're going to see... Um, a lot of stuff. Now, I won't go through everything in the New Testament, but uh, today we're just going to touch on Jesus a little bit. Who Who is Jesus? As you can tell by the, the title right there, Who is Jesus? And we're going to go through that a little bit. Now, if you have not been to truepatriotministries.org, I highly recommend you go there. Uh, on the blog page, you'll find all the notes available for any of the podcasts or recordings that we've done. And then you also can have access to the, the audios and the videos that we've recorded. Uh, if you don't like to go through, say, Roku, because the video is available on Roku, you just go to the Roku uh, channel store and you search for True Patriot Ministries and you'll be able to find the channel that way and you can add it. And whenever new uh, videos are up, you can just feel free to go in and, and see those videos. We do it through Vimeo also, uh, if you don't like Roku and you don't like going through truepatriotministries.org, feel free to visit Vimeo. You can search for Chris Holgramson and any of my, my videos that are public are there available for you. And as far as where we started with was uh, Buzzsprout and podcasting, and we're still doing the podcasting. As a matter of fact, I believe the ministry shorts, I'm just going to do them as far as that goes on podcasting. And I won't record those on video just simply because they're so short. And so uh, the ministry shorts, if you've enjoyed them, you will have to find those on the, the podcasts. And you can do that through your favorite podcast app. And uh, it, I think that's really sweet. Buzzsprout does a really good job of helping me get distribution through the majority of the major uh, podcast apps. And, and I like that. The website's also got some other information on there that you can go through and find. Uh, there is a neighborhoods page and there is a reach out page. Both those pages have some great information. And then there's the contact page where you can go in and you can send us a message via the website. And that comes to us uh, really quick. So I, I do appreciate that. And I love hearing from you guys and what you've got to say, uh, what you like to share, your testimonies, uh, any witnesses that, that you get that you want to share. Just feel free. Reach out to us through the Connect page and send us a message. And we will uh, share that if it's relevant to what we're going through. And, and we just like to hear from you. We really do. So let's get into today's message. Like I said, we're doing a walk with Jesus through the New Testament. So we're going to go through the four Gospels, and then uh, we will go through the New Testament bit by bit. And this is going to take the better part of the year to do. And uh, today, I just want to touch on, on who is Jesus. So this would be Jesus part one. Now, we did John the Baptist part one and two already. So if you haven't seen those yet or heard those yet, you can go find those via your favorite app or Roku or, like I said, Vimeo, or just go to our website. It's all right there on the website. 
And again, that's truepatriotministries.org. So on Jesus part one, the big question that, that I want to answer in a nutshell, so it's going to be a brief answer. This is by no means an all-inclusive answer of who is Jesus. So Jesus is the word. He is the second part of the Trinity or the triune God, right? So you have God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And then in John chapter one, verse one through five, let's read this real quick. This will help. And it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. So that's, I really love those verses. Uh, John was so passionate about Jesus and who he was. And so this is a pleasure to read for me. And, and I read it often because we, we got to know in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and we never want to forget that. Right. So. Let's talk about Jesus as the shepherd. Because he is known as the shepherd. To us. Um, and of course, your pastors and those uh, ministers. A lot of them are, are recognized as as pastors or shepherds, under shepherds to the high, to the high priest Jesus. So in Matthew chapter two verse six, some references here that portray him as the shepherd. It reads, "But you Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel." And in Matthew 25, verse 32, it reads, All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. That's so good. And then uh, let's cover John chapter 10. Now, there's several verses here, 4, 5, 11, 14 through 16. And in four, it starts out, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow it, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. And in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. If we go down to verse 14 through 16. Again, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As my father knows me, as the father knows me, even so, I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. That's so good. So the key thing that, that we need to remember is that Jesus, as the shepherd, he is going to lead us. And, and let me show you what that means. Uh, what that means to me is, is, as a shepherd, you lead the sheep out, right? Well, if you take a cattleman and cows, 
right? It's quite the opposite. So let's say that the cattle represent the world. Now, the cattle, they need to be pushed, prodded, um, motivated to go in a direction. They have to be totally guided. And, and that's the way the world is. And that's why when we look at Jesus as the good shepherd, one, his, his flock responds to his voice. They know his voice and they won't follow a different voice. But they know that he cares for them. And so they follow him, okay, versus uh, when you are managing something. Uh, and I like to use, like I said, the cattlemen. So the, the cattlemen are managing the herd. And when you manage, you push. You don't lead. And so there's a big difference between managing and, and leading and, and between the shepherd and, say, like I said, cattlemen. It's all in how we approach people. Do you have a flock? So this is to you pastors and you ministers out there. Do you have a flock or do you have a herd? And to you congregations out there, I ask you, do you have a shepherd or do you have a cattleman that is pushing you? Do you have a leader or do you have a manager? Because we don't want managers, we don't want cattlemen in the church, uh, in, in the format that I'm talking about here, guys. Don't get confused. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, you don't want the push in the church, okay? You want the leading, and that's where we need to be. Uh, and so if we don't have that in our congregation, if we don't have that in our ministers and our pastors, then we need to go back and correct that first because we need that leadership within. So, and, and that points to Jesus as the shepherd, right? Because Jesus, he modeled being a shepherd for us. And like I said, I don't want to get too deep in there. So we know he's the shepherd and he's the good shepherd, right? He's not the bad shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Uh, he's the one. And if you go through and you read some of those verses, and we'll cover them in depth in another episode uh, when we get to that point, but you'll see that he talks about the hireling or the manager. And these are people who don't have ownership over the flock, right? They haven't bought into the flock. Um, or they don't honor and respect another man's flocks. So we'll get into the fivefold ministry. But as a pastor, you're going to have ministers come in who are teachers, who are prophets. Uh, apostles, and they are going to exhort evangelists, exhort and uplift and teach and uh, yeah, edify your congregations. And, and this is important also because one man can't do it all. There is a five-fold ministry, and we can dabble in some of the ministries, but as a, a minister, God has put a specific uh, ministry on you, ministry gift on you, whether it's evangelism, it's uh, being an apostle, it's teaching, um, being a pastor. And, and there's one other, and I'm missing it, and I apologize. But these things profit. These things come in, and they're not all five going to reside in full strength on somebody. 
they are going to come in and maybe you practice, you are anointed in one or two of the giftings and, and you've got that anointing on you. And, uh, but maybe you're in a position where the other anointings, they might come on you in a, a smaller form or smaller power to suit the purpose of the moment. And so, you know, I say all that to say that we should, as pastors, as shepherds, one, we should have these other ministries coming into our congregation. And two, we are going to be paying attention to those, those ministries that come into our, that we invite into our congregation. First, we're going to make sure as a shepherd that they are safe for our congregation. And, and uh, that's our duty as a shepherd. And as a hireling, hirelings aren't going to do this. When danger comes, when a threat comes, typically, like he says in scripture, the hireling is going to drop the flock and flee. It's going to be about self and self-preservation. And that's how you'll know a difference uh, between somebody who truly is a shepherd and, and somebody who's just a hireling. Um, Jesus himself said, you know, that to lay you down your life down for another is one of the ultimate tests of your heart. And, and so we see that with our pastors. Now, let's move on a little bit. So we're talking about who is Jesus? And I want you to understand this. So we see Jesus as shepherd. And I think it's such an awesome uh, viewpoint of or attribute of Jesus, right? Because a shepherd is just something that we see uh, in, in a shepherd, we see a lot of love and a lot of care for his flock. And then as savior, and this is, this is so good. Now, Jesus is our savior. He is the resurrected Lord. And he did this for us. So we see here, it says, when man couldn't stay focused on God in this world, when sin and death reigned in them through the fall of Adam, Jesus came into the earth. And he came into the earth to correct Adam's error so that we could, that we would not be uh, totally and utterly lost to Father God. Now, I bring this up because when I say when man couldn't stay focused on God, if you look at the history through the Old Testament, Israel was the chosen nation. Unfortunately for Israel, they would be hot, and then it would be cold. They would be hot for God, and then they would be cold for God. They would draw near to God, and then they would drift away from God. And that's what I mean there about man couldn't stay focused on God. And it's, in, a, in large part, that's because, yes, Adam fell. And that was an error that Adam made was fallen to the devil. And so Jesus, we see this, uh, Jesus comes in because he did not, God didn't want us to be totally and utterly lost to him. God could have said, okay, fine, they've become my enemy and I'm just going to wipe them out. We'll start over. He is the creator after all, and he created us. But he didn't do that. Instead, he so loved us, right? He loved us so much that he found an alternate uh, pathway for us. 
Now, in order to do this, Jesus had to put aside his powers and his abilities that came with his God, his his part of being God, right? And this isn't like the movies where uh, the God-man hides his abilities and and when he's angry or he has to save somebody, you know, he rips open the shirt and and the powers come back to him and he exposes it and, and, and all of that. And this is not the way that works. Okay, Jesus remained humble. And he he put those powers away from him. So I've got here in the notes, uh, Jesus, the word, we want to remember, he is the word put his powers away from himself. Now, he had to do this because Adam was a man only. Adam was not uh, part of the Godhead. He wasn't. He was just the first created man. Now, Jesus had to become like Adam or as Adam in order to correct Adam's betrayal, his error, right? And, and Jesus had to come into the earth as a man. And so we have in Romans chapter 5, and I'll, I'm going to do verse 5, excuse me, Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 11 in verse 19. And it reads, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, the blood of Jesus, we shall be saved from wrath through him, through Jesus. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. And that's what I was referring to, that Adam was man. And so Jesus, Adam was the first Adam. And then Jesus, we refer to him sometimes as the second Adam. But he had come back into the earth as a man, born of a virgin, by the Holy Spirit, in order to uh, fulfill prophecy and to redeem us. And so he walked as a man. And so there was no Superman shirt underneath his, his robe that, you know, he ripped his robe open, and now he's Superman. No, he did it all as a man. And because he needed to show us, look, guys, uh, I'm going to reconcile you to God as a man. But I'm also going to walk this earth as a man and show you, demonstrate for you what that looks like. And so... Let's, let's go on. Jesus, uh, it says Jesus is God's gift, not only to Israel. Okay, remember, he, he did come for Israel, but it wasn't only for Israel, his chosen people. But he also 
to any in the world who will receive him as the resurrected Savior. And I include resurrected Savior in there. I mean, you've probably heard Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Most of the time, that's how I'll refer to it. But I want you to understand, okay? He is the resurrected Savior. Paul goes into great lengths, and we'll cover this in another episode, but he goes to great lengths to explain that if the resurrection did not occur, then what we have is nothing. It's powerless, okay? Because death won. And the Word of God says death didn't win. And we'll cover that here in just a minute. But he is the resurrected Savior. So if you look at John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is one of my favorite scriptures, and it's one of them that I learned early on when I came to Christ uh, back in in, uh, December of 2009. Okay, I was a little late getting there, but I got there. But this verse stuck with me because there's so much love in what God did and what Jesus did for us that this impacted me when I read it. And so a lot of times I'll have this in front of me just to remind me what God did through Jesus. Now, I want to look at Romans 10. This speaks to salvation right here. Romans 10. We're going to look at verses 8 through 13. And it reads, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That refers back to what I was talking about, the resurrected Jesus, the resurrected Lord, right? So we see him here. He is the Lord Jesus, and he's been raised from the dead. You know, in verse 10, it reads, for with the heart, one believes under righteousness. So righteousness comes through the heart. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is important. So I want to clarify uh, in why I pointed that out. Righteousness. So for with the heart one believes under righteousness. There is no power in you if God is stuck in your mind, okay? Your mind, that is your your soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. If you have Jesus caged up, if you've got God and the Word of God caged up in your mind, then we call that mental ascent. You haven't gotten it down into your heart where it belongs. Your spirit man's in your heart. He's not in your head. Okay. The head, the mind, that is where the devil gains access to us through the body and the mind. And and so there's a distinction between the two. And and we need to be aware of that. So praise God, Jesus is in the heart. Right. And because Jesus 
because we deal with him through our spirit man, through the heart. Righteousness is in our heart. And that's where that scripture comes in for with the heart, one believes under righteousness. Now, it's important that confession is made. Now, I know we hear about confession and we automatically think, okay, those of us, especially those of us who have been in an Orthodox church or we've been in the Catholic church, confession is, oh, you go to the confessional and you confess all your sins to, uh, you know, your priest. And then they tell you to do some Hail Marys and it's all resolved. And uh, that's not what he's talking about here. That is a form of corporate confession. Um, and, and uh, yeah, this is not a place to get into it. But what he's talking about here with confession, the other side of confession, right, is so we have the, the side of confession that is confessing your sins. But the other side is confessing the word of God. And that is, to me, confessing the word of God is every bit as important as confessing your sins. And that's what he's talking about here. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Right. And so we we have it in our heart, but we speak it with our mouth. We confess it out of our mouth. Where do you got? And he goes on to tell you, hey, there's no distinction between Jew or Greek. There's no distinction. Right. Between Israel and the rest of the world. For it's the same Lord who is over all. And uh, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And so let's talk about salvation. So the Greek word for salvation is soteria. And if you have a concordance, you can look it up. It is G4991. Soteria, I, I cover this quite often because I want you to understand that the word salvation doesn't just mean salvation. Let's broaden that a little bit. And if you look it up, you're going to see deliverance. You're going to see preservation. You're going to see safety and you're going to see salvation. And this is important. Why? Well, deliverance, you may not associate deliverance with salvation, but it's a part of it. You get delivered from things, right? Look at Psalm 107.20. Perfect example of Jesus being the word. Perfect example of healing is ours and deliverance, right? For it says in Psalm 107, for God sent his word to heal me and deliver me from my destructions, right? And that's all your destructions. He doesn't isolate and say, well, no, that destruction is good for you. I'm going to leave it. No, that's religion talk. Okay, every destruction you're delivered from. Glory to God. If it's under the curse, you're delivered. And so deliverance, that's why it's so, so important. Preservation. If you think about preservation, when you preserve something, you surround it, you protect it, you keep it safe so that it cannot be touched or contaminated from the outside. Right. God preserves us. And you can look at Psalm 91 and Psalm 23, both great examples of preservation, uh, safety, right? He keeps us safe. He, uh, well, he said in Psalm 34, verse 7, he surrounds us with these angels. The angel of the Lord is there protecting us. And then salvation. And, and that's the one we're most familiar with, which is the redemption process, right? 
Now, a note that I want to put down here, um, because there are so many religions out there, and then the spirit of religion is so prevalent. We don't want to reduce Jesus to a prophet, okay? Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. Don't let religion, don't let any religion reduce him to the level of a prophet only, all right? Religion may also try to mislead you into believing that he walked the earth as God with all his powers and his abilities, but he did not. Because if he came into the world with those advantages, he could not have legally redeemed us and restored what Adam lost. He couldn't have. It would have been a, a huge advantage to him, and, and God just doesn't operate. God's not going to break his own rule. Okay, and so Jesus came into the earth and he walked the earth as a man, as a model for you and me. So let's talk about man. So Jesus as man, right? You have the virgin birth, and that's repeated in Matthew chapter one, verse 23. And it says, behold, the virgin shall be with child, glory to God, and she shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Right? So Jesus, his entry into the world, virgin birth. Uh, the, uh, some will call it the Immaculate Conception. However, you refer to it, it is the virgin birth. Now, at the age of 12, we see Jesus disappeared from the caravan for about three days and they finally figured out he wasn't there. And you can read that, all of that on your own. But what I want you to see is that. At the age of 12, he was about his father's business. Now, to me, this speaks a little bit about um, the coming of age, right? And then the difference between the innocent and, and no longer innocent. And I believe that happens at different ages for different people. But at the age of 12, he realized that he needed to be about his father's business, and he went about his father's business. And they found him when they finally found him after three days, it was in the synagogue and he was in the synagogue. And I believe at that time he was already starting to read from the scriptures and teach. Right. But he was about his father's business. And that's in Luke chapter two, verse 49. It says, and he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And so we see, even at this point, and, and this is my personal thought here, um, my belief is that the Holy Spirit was already in Jesus, in him, okay? Now, you and I, when we, get, when we go through uh, repentance, so when we repent, which is that mental decision to do a 180 and come back to God, and then we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He sends the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to indwell us. Okay? And that's what I'm referring to here with Jesus. There wasn't any resurrection yet. Right? And there was no Lord and Savior to claim. But Jesus, I believe, had the Holy Spirit in him at this time. 
may have been earlier, may have been later, but I believe it was at this time because he knew he needed to be about his father's business. And so this would be Jesus walking in the earth. And if I'm mistaken, I'll be corrected. I, I don't mind correction, um, to be honest. But that's my belief is he had the Holy Spirit with him. Uh, and he modeled, so to model to us accurately, uh, we have the Holy Spirit in us. I believe he had the Holy Spirit in him when he walked the earth as a man, when he began his ministries, age of 12 and up. And, and uh, yeah, that's, and so we, and that just, it models it for us, guys, because when we receive him, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. Well, what, what does the Holy Spirit do for us? Well, partially what he does is he hears from God and speaks to our spirit. He sees what God shows him and shows us through our spirit, just as he did with Jesus. Okay. And so we want to make sure that we don't discount that. Now, let's go on here now, at the Jordan. And this is so good. I covered this in John the Baptist. So if you missed that, go back and watch it. Go back and listen to it. So at the Jordan, Jesus was baptized in water and by the Holy Spirit. So if we look at Matthew 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, and it reads, When he, Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, not in him, upon him. To me, this is the baptism by the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Mm, it is so good. All right. Now, at the wedding feast, let's, let's go to the wedding feast. This is his first miracle. So this is kind of in a nutshell who Jesus is, right? I'm getting you familiar with him. I want you to see these things. They were some key things that he did. So at the wedding feast, you look at John chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 11. And I really like this. Um, because his mother put him on the spot. I think if his mother hadn't prompted him, he wouldn't have performed this miracle. But she did, he did, and it's recorded. And so in verse 9, we get, When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man, at the beginning sets out the good one. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. And so this was his first miracle at the wedding feast. And I didn't record all of this right here, right? But if you go back to Luke chapter nine, you can see it. But this is where Jesus turned water into wine. Now, Jesus performed many miracles, and he gave us a lot of teaching. And then he told us at one point, he said, we are able to do these things also. And he demonstrated through the, the disciples of the time, through the apostles, uh, this power. Because he granted this power to them. And so, again, that demonstration, right? He wanted us to see and to understand that it wasn't just he who could do it. It wasn't he. 
as God in the earth that was able to do just the miracles and all of this. He wanted to show us, look, the disciples, um, I'm going to give you the same, the same power that God has given me. Now go. And this is while he's still on the earth, right? And we'll cover this when we go through this. He was still on the earth and he gave those that authority to them, the same authority God had given him through the Holy Spirit. And, and so they went forth and they were doing healings. They were casting out demons. Now, they weren't always successful, right? And there's the tale of the young man, the young boy who had a demon that they tried to cast out, but it didn't work. Instead, he grew worse. And then Jesus had to take care of it. But he, he did give us that authority. And, and in John 14, verse 12, you see here, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works will greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. Now, that's a good word. And it's telling us directly, look, if I laid hands on a person and healed them, if I, if I took the blind and helped them to see, if I took the deaf and, and healed them so they could hear, if I cast out demons so a man could be in his right mind again, if I raised the dead, not resurrected, if I raised the dead, because there's a difference between raising and resurrecting, Okay. If I raise the dead, then so can you. If I walked on the water, and so can you. If I can tell the wind or the storm, peace be calm, then so can you. He modeled these things for us, and then he put the apostles, the disciples, he put them to use, right? Put them into practice because he knew they needed to have that experience before he was murder. And so, and, and here in John, he's telling us, look, these self-same works you can do, but you're going to do great because I'm going to my father. Now, I want you to see Jesus. So we've seen Jesus as the shepherd, the good shepherd. Now we've seen him as man, the son of man, right? Now we're going to take a look at him as conqueror. And this is important because this is where our victory comes in, right? So he, he taught us while he was here. He taught the disciples while he walked the earth. And he, he was such an example. The, all the miracles he performed and the teachings and the preaching, he was such an example. And then he had to do the part that only he could do, right? And I've got down here, let's read this. It says, Jesus did some things for us that we could not do. And that he hung all that we deserve, all our iniquity, our chastisement, everything that's under the curse. He hung it on the cross. And he also defeated Satan and he took the keys of Hades and of death. And I'll back this up. So we know that's what he did for us. He secured that victory. He defeated the devil. And he secured that victory. So let me evidence this with some scripture, right? Because we got to have scripture behind things. So in Romans 8, 2, 
It reads, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's that divine life that we hear about. That's ours through Jesus. Okay. It, it's, and what do we got to do? We receive Jesus in our hearts as our Lord and our Savior. We believe in the resurrection and we confess him with our mouth. He is my Lord, my Savior. Glory to God. So let's look at Colossians 2, and we're going to read 11 through 15. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ, you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiving, forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That's so good. And when he's talking about circumcision up there in verse 11, he's talking about circumcision of the heart, the spiritual circumcision, versus the physical circumcision that he references in the following verse, uh, I believe that's verse 13. Yeah, the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now, I also want to talk about Revelation 1, verses 17 and 18. These are so good, too. I like these. Uh, and when I saw him, and this is John speaking, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Glory to God. Isn't that so good? So here we've seen a little bit about who Jesus is, right? And we'll cover him in depth as we go through the chapters and the books. But here we see Jesus as shepherd, glory to God, as the good shepherd. We see him as the son of man, and we see him as the conqueror, the one who has secured victory over Satan for us. And, and I'd like to end on that because what I want you to know and to understand, and if you go through scripture, you'll see these in different places, uh, you have victory through Christ. You're a joint heir with him. You've received adoption by Abba Father. All of this comes through Jesus. Okay. And, and because of that joint heir, there's no limitations on that joint heir other than you are a joint heir. So everything that Jesus achieved is yours. 
you have a piece of that victory in every victory that he achieved. All right. So when he defeated Satan and he defeated everything underneath the curse, that victory is yours. So we need to look at things from a different perspective. So a lot of times we'll get caught up in the here and now in this world and we'll look at things through uh, our worldly eyes when we need to stop and we need to get in peace and we need to look at things through our spiritual eyes. And when we look at things through our spiritual eyes, we are seated at the right hand of God with Jesus. That is the position of victory. And he is name above all names. He's more than a conqueror. That's where we are right there. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We are above and not beneath. We are the head and not the tail. Glory to God. That's us, guys. That's who we are. And he's our deliverer. And we need to remember that. So he's purchased so much for us. And uh, that's what we get eternity for. So we can learn <laughs> what all we have. And then we can glory in it. And, and as we honor the word of God, and we honor Jesus, and we honor the Holy Spirit, and we honor God himself. Okay, so we, there's a lesson there. And uh, this will be a lesson that I do later this year in, at the end of September. Uh, the Lord's put it on my heart. I'll have a separate video for that. So, where to God? Honor, honor God and honor the things of God. Right? And uh, he loves you. That's why he did this. Because he didn't want anybody to be lost. He loves us all. Now, he cannot have intimate fellowship with all of us. Okay? People who are of the world who, who refuse Jesus, who have not received Jesus or don't know anything about Jesus yet, you know, there's, there's an interruption in their fellowship with God. And that's why it's so important that we get out there and we spread the word of God. And we spread who Jesus is. And we let people know so that they can reach out and say, hey, I repent. I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And then they can turn around and grow. And that's there's another thing right there. We have to help people grow. They're responsible for their own growth. They have nobody to blame but themselves if they don't grow. But we need to be there helping. That's a blessing to them and uh, an expectation from God to us is, is to help them learn and to grow, even if it's only encouraging them to grow. That's helping them. And so we need to be sure, getting them uh, planted in a good church, a good congregation is important also because that congregation will help nurture them. And so it's important that we do these things. And uh, yeah, glory to God. He loves you. If you don't know him yet, he wants to know you. He wants to know you intimately. And all you got to do is repent. Repent. Remember, it's a mental decision. Repent is nothing more than a decision to do an about face, to turn around and come back to God. And then you, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the resurrected one. Glory to God. 
just reach out to him and say, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I confess you with my mouth. You are my Lord and Savior. It's pretty simple. You don't have to get elaborate. You can if you want to. You can talk to him all night long. Um, but receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then you can jump in and you can develop that intimate fellowship with God the Father. Right? And, and you can fellowship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And, and you'll start learning how the Holy Spirit can lead you. There are a lot of good books out there. The Bible is the number one. But there's a lot of good books out there by pastors and ministers that uh, will help you to do things like receive the Holy Spirit. Or excuse me, to receive the baptism by the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, what do you got? It's good. It's good. And you can see I'm out of notes right here. I'm just continuing on just a little bit because it's such a good subject. And I really want you um, to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And uh, I want you to have God in your mind like I do. And, and even more, right? Because you, as you grow in the Lord, what you're going to find is that you're going you're to go from having a, a once-in-a-while fellowship with him to maybe every couple of day fellowship to an every day to throughout the day fellowship with him. And, and it's, it's such a blessing. Such a blessing. He doesn't just want to hear from you on Sunday. He doesn't want to just hear from you when you have problems. But he wants to be with you and fellowship with you all the time. And he's a gentleman. He's not going to interrupt you. And so you have to make place for him. And he's waiting expectantly for you to do that. It's so good. Glory to God, it's good. And uh, you'll see prayers answered. You'll see miracles happen. You'll find love in your heart for people that you used to hate. You'll find forgiveness in your heart for people that you couldn't forgive. You'll watch bitterness, envy, covetousness, and jealousy. You'll watch these things dissolve before your very eyes. Because there's, there's no place in you for It's that good. There's such peace, such joy. And it all comes through receiving Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And then being intentional about growing in the Lord. So I hope you've got something out of this today. I hope you have enjoyed this. I have to believe you have. There are a lot of great things coming down the pipeline. Now, this, like I said, this, this series is going to be a rather lengthy series, but we're going to walk through uh, with Jesus. We're going to walk through the four testaments, the four gospels, and then we will walk from Acts through Revelation. Um, and, and even though in most of that, he was not in the earth uh, physically, he was still with us. And so we'll walk with him through those things. So I, God bless. Uh, stay tuned. I've got a very important announcement coming up. And uh, I pray that uh, God blesses you mightily.